um, to just take a second and, and talk about why we're here. Why, why do we come together on Sundays? Or any time, really. You know, we have a little bit of a picture of what the church looked like when it met in the early days. One had a psalm, one had a revelation, um, another had a tongue, another had an interpretation. You know, some of them had prophecies, you know, maybe no more than three today, kind of a thing when they, when they gathered together. And um, I wanted to just make sure that I'm pushing the reset button every once in a while to make sure that we understand why we're here. It's not like when, when you leave church and you say, man, that was, a, that was an awesome sermon. It might, it might have been a great sermon by a great speaker, but if it didn't, if it didn't have an impact on your life, it was a wasted sermon. It was a, it was a talking concert, basically. You, know, you went and you, and you heard something that was interesting. You learned something that you didn't know before. But if it didn't do something to make you to be more like Jesus, then um, either you came for the wrong reason or somehow the preacher didn't open the Bible that day. When, when somebody says, man, the worship was awesome today, there's nothing wrong with the worship being awesome, but, but awesome worship isn't measured by what we feel. It, it's measured by what we give, right? So when the worship is awesome, you might know it because you presented something so wonderful to the one you worship that he responded back, his glow just came off because he was so touched. And you, you got to feel what you thought was awesome worship, but what it probably was was the glory of God responding back to your pure heart, loving him. So church, the purpose of church, I just a few bullets that, that came into my head as I was thinking this this morning. First is to make disciples. That's the Great Commission. Go into all the nations, make disciples, teach them everything that I commanded you to do, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I will be with you always. So we are commanded to reproduce Jesus in other people, make disciples. We're here to equip the saints. We are all saints. Every, every born-again person is a saint. Jesus Christ by way of Holy Spirit, lives inside of you. We're connected. We're one body. We're the body of Christ. He's the head seated at the right hand of the Father. and He's moving his hands and he's moving his feet. And, and the things that you're hearing are testimonies of disciples. My job, the, specifically, Jesus gave, Paul the Apostle said in Ephesians chapter 4, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastor teachers, pastor teachers. You could have some that are uh, maybe just gifted teachers, but typically if somebody is gifted to be a pastor, he's also or she gifted to be a teacher for for the purpose of equipping the saints to do the works of service, of the ministry, and to bring us all together in unity of faith such that we represent Christ exactly as he would be. So we're here to make disciples. We're here to equip ourselves, you guys, to do the works of the kingdom. That's, that's kind of the sermony part of church. We're here to encourage one another to love and to good deeds. So if, if somebody's struggling, like Brian came up and, you know, he, I don't know the nature specifically of his struggles, but we're all struggling, right? 
So, so as we're struggling, then, then the rest of us are here to encourage, not just encourage anything, but encourage to love and good deeds. That's the scripture that says, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. You can't be okay all by yourself as a saint. You need to come together because you have what I need and I have what you need and you have what they need and God knits us all together. And when we're all knit together in one mind, the mind of Jesus, all operating in our gifts, then Jesus himself is replicated in his body. Make disciples, equip the saints, encourage one another to love, spurring on to love and to good deeds. We're here to minister to the Lord. When, when you're worshiping, that's, that's ministry to God. We're here to, to minister to him, to, to ascribe to him and, and his glory, his goodness, to tell him, you have people on this earth, Father, that know who you are to some extent or another, and we want to reflect back to you how awesome you are. We're here to receive the Lord's ministry, right? When it's like, oh man, the Lord was present, it's because he is present, when something happens, it's the ministry of the Lord. When somebody's, when somebody's struggling or wrestling or they're believing a lie and, and somebody else, by the spurring of the Holy Spirit, tells the truth and they get free, it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When there's a word of knowledge that goes out, it's the ministry of God to his body. He's building us up in his own ministry. And, and you know, you could probably make 100 bullets if you wanted to, but the last one that, that I want to speak to is Ministering the kingdom to one another. On earth as it is in heaven to one another. And we really need to grow in that area. When we come together, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that you know one had a revelation, another had a psalm, and this one had a tongue, and that one had an interpretation. This one had a prophecy. This one, the gift of healing landed on them. This one, the gift of faith. And they were all brought up in faith for who knows what. The, the saints coming together to minister to one another. See, sometimes uh, we're not courageous enough to take the microphone and say, hey, listen, man, I'm struggling and I need your help. Which then that busted open whatever the devil was trying to do and all the men raised their hand, including me. I'm struggling and I need your help. But maybe you're not going to take the microphone. But we're all Jesus Christ being replicated on this earth so if, if you're not going to take the microphone, and I'm not telling you you need to take the microphone, but you need to not hide your problems. You need to sit with somebody and say, hey, listen, can we pray? And watch what the Lord does. Watch what he does. Watch the words that come. Watch the scriptures that pop into your head. Watch the lies get overwhelmed by the truth. Watch the sickness disappear and health come. See, so when we get together, it's not like you know, something that we do. We're not a social club, but we are. We're a family. We're the family of faith, we're the body of Jesus, but we gather together for purpose. But it's not to come and get, it's to come and give. It's to come and give. Now you're going to get, because we're making disciples, we're all at different places along the path of being made like Jesus. And I might be 10 miles ahead of somebody in, in this particular aspect of Christ, but I might be two feet out of the gates in another aspect of being like Christ, and, and in you're way down the road farther than me, and you're dragging me up to your level, and I'm dragging you up to my level, and all together we're becoming more and more and more like Jesus. Okay? So just remember that when you come to church. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not the pastor's job for you to have good church. It's not. It's, it's the 
purpose that we come together is to become more like Jesus, to become more effective out in this world. Like last Sunday, man, I'm telling you, that lady got touched. I promise you she got touched. She knows God is real, and she knows God sees her because the body stepped out and did what it was, I almost said posta, <laughs> what, what it's supposed to do. And we all got blessed. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's not too much of God's glory um, when we reflect it that we don't get to feel it. Okay? All right, that was just a public service announcement. Paid for by this station. And the Ford Dealer Network. I'm sorry. Okay, so, so last week, this week, and for sure, God willing, at least next week, um, I'm talking about glorifying God. Imagining like you just got saved and you don't know what to do. It's like, what's my purpose in life? What is my purpose? If you wanted to just, you know, take one and say, this would be a great place. If all you ever did with this was this, you would certainly live a full life, live a productive life, and you would live a life that would cause you to hear the words, well done, good and faithful slave, enter into your master's rest. If you live to glorify God. As a matter of fact, that sermon touched me last week. I mean, the study for it. I, I get it earlier than you do. But every single day this week, what I've been doing is when I wake up in the morning, I tell myself, glorify God, no regrets. And then I'm, I'm going to figure out ways to, to get that everywhere in my world, you know, on the dashboard of my car, pop up on my cell phone. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it, but I want to go to bed every night without regret. I want to go to bed at night, and if, if something was messing with Teresa and, and my flesh wanted to respond, I didn't. And I can lay down in bed and I can say, Lord, today? And he can say, no regrets, good job. You brought glory to my name. Every day, glorify God, no regrets. I want to live without regrets. I don't want to lay down in bed and say, man, I drank the chocolate milk. (laughs) Which I didn't drink the chocolate milk. But Annika ate my brownie. So just kind of as a framing thing, if you look at and think about creation from the perspective of, you know, what, what's the purpose of my life? Well, I'm telling you it's to glorify God. Is that really true on the macro scale? Creation is the heavens. Creation is the earth minus mankind, right? The, the earth and all that's within it. And then creation is mankind, that which is made in God's image. So let me just give you three quick scriptures. Psalm 19, the heavens are telling of or declare the glory of God. So when God created the heavens, when you look into the sky at night and you see the stars and the shooting stars and the, you know, the galaxies and, and you get some sense for the distances and the bigness, you are seeing God's very glory in the heavens. And then in Isaiah 6, there's these, these big angels called seraphim. Actually, seraph is the angel. I learned this. If there's I am at the end in the Hebrew, it makes it plural. So seraphim, there's these angels, six-winged angels in the throne room of God. And all day and all night they cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So when you, when you see the shot from the space station back towards this planet of ours, and you can see the clouds, and you can see the oceans, and the and the land, and you get closer, and you can see the mountains, and the snow on top, or the animals, and and how 
intricate things are. Or you can look at a flower and you can see how beautiful the flower is. And you can, you can smell the fragrance of the flower. And a bug who's got wings and all these different intricate things. And, and the glory of God is just showing itself to you. He, his glory is in the heavens and His glory is on the earth. And, and the third one is kind of seen from a negative perspective. You have to see it in the opposite. But Romans chapter 3 says of mankind, for all have sinned and fall short. What do they fall short of? The glory of God. Just as the heavens and just as the earth, mankind was created to display God's glory. But in sin and rebellion, we've fallen short of that glory. But what God wants from us, what God, the world needs to see from us, is a glorious God. They can see it in the heavens, they can see it in the earth, and, and, and they need to see it in the church. So, last week, we talked about how do you glorify God? What's a way you glorify God? And uh, the specific was by our, the fruit that we produce, or the deeds, the good works that we do. And we see from Matthew five, sixteen, let your light shine, this is Jesus speaking, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I'm sorry, I just take a little side trip. Your testimony, Lori. I don't know the specific details, but, but you surrendered to God, right? Because you had bitterness, right? And, and when you were proud before God, you know, holding on to the bitterness, then there's no grace. But then you learned and you surrendered to God and his grace came, which allowed you to release the bitterness. Now you don't have to have the bitterness. And then the grace gets actually out beyond you and now the grace of God, the glory of God, has touched your mother in the same way. Because, see, God was glorified in you. In our nature, whatever would cause us to have all that bitterness, we're not looking to release it. We're looking to get paid, have vengeance. You know, you hurt me. But when God's grace comes on us, when we surrender to him, then that grace, it, it gets out and other people can see how glorious God is. They might not even recognize it, but she responded to God because you responded to God. It's beautiful. Let your light shine. John 15, verse 8. Jesus again speaking, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So when we bear much fruit, we glorify God, and we demonstrate that we truly are disciples of Jesus. And then we talked about, okay, well, if that's such an important thing, how do we, how do we ultimately be fruitful? And the scriptures taught us that we become fruitful when we abide in Jesus. And, and then we talked about Jesus being the bread of life and Jesus saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And if you don't, you can't have any place in me. And many people, I didn't mention this last week, but many people, when they heard that, the disciples, not the inner core of disciples, they're like, that's too much for me. And they departed. Jesus tested them with his words. How much is it worth to you? Not, not that much. That's just too weird for me. He asked his close guys, what about you? And they said, where would we go? You have the words of life. So some were willing to eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's going to be today what the fruit of that looks like in, in our lives. And interestingly, when you see in the Gospels, every time that the words say, blah, 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 and they glorified God, Blah, 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 and they gave glory to God. 
blah, 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 and they followed Jesus and gave glory to God. Every time, it's after a good deed, and the good deed is healing, is a healing miracle. So God receives glory when his kingdom manifests through his son, either Jesus directly or through us, and people get touched. So for God to get glory through the church, Jesus has to be seen. And, and I quoted um, part of this scripture a minute ago. I'll quote it in more context now. Matthew 5, now 14 through 16. Jesus first said he was the light of the world. Now he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And, and the reason I wanted to read it to you in, in that more contextual manner is he's put light in every one of us. Every one of us is the light of the world, except when we hide it under a basket. And, and that's an important thing for all of us to understand. He lit Jeremiah. Jeremiah stayed underneath the basket. He went back, took the basket off, his glory shone, and that grace got on all of us, and we all got to be blessed in your blessing. Thank you so much. No hiding under a basket. All right, that was a summary of last week. This week, another um, way that the church glorifies God is in holiness. So let me just give you a couple scriptures. 1 Corinthians 6. Now, these scriptures speak to holiness, the beginning here, in our body. And, and that's really morality, sexual morality, the way we, we possess our vessel kind of way. So that's where we start. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 through 20. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, sanctification, the, the Greek word behind there, there, there is a separate word that's sanctification and another kind of form of that word that's holy, but oftentimes you find them to be interchangeable. So when you see the word sanctification, you could change it for holiness. So this reads, for this is the will of God. You wonder, what's God's will? Well, here's an aspect of God's will, your sanctification. What's God's will? Your holiness. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. So we need to recognize first that when we, when we walk about and the world sees us, when we're in a private place, we are always one with God. We're, we are, our spirit is one with his spirit. Like I told you the other day, my friend Kenner likens it to putting honey in his tea. Once he puts the honey in his tea and he stirs it around, there's no getting the honey out of the tea, right? Once we are integrated into God's spirit, we're one with him. There's nothing that he doesn't see. 
And there's nothing that he doesn't experience. And there's nothing that we could do that we shouldn't do that wouldn't grieve him because we would drag him right into it with us. So when we sin, with, we don't properly manage our vessel, our body, our physical body, then that's a higher level sin for a Christian. Not, not for a non-Christian, but for a Christian because you're actually engaging the temple into a sinful behavior and you're one with God when you're doing that. So it's a big deal. So we're, we're one with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Our, God, our bodies are, are God's earthly temple and we are not our own. We're not our own. Not our own. And, and, you know, people debate about servant versus slave, but servant implies, servant implies uh, I'm doing this at my will versus slave, which says I'm doing it at my master's will. And, and if you truly understand your relationship to God, servant is not the great word. It can be servant because he lets you choose, but when you got born again and you confess Jesus as Lord, you are basically confessing yourself as slave. And that's why that scripture says you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Ponder the price just a minute that he had to pay. And he didn't, he didn't pay the price so that he could then, like we would think of slavery in the South, you know, when the ship goes to Africa and the poor native African people are taken captive maybe against their will and they're brought over and they're sold for a price. That's not us. We were sold for a price because we asked to be. We said, I don't want to be in the kingdom of darkness. I want to be in the kingdom of light. And in order for us to get from the kingdom of the darkness to the kingdom of light, a price had to be paid. But we didn't pay it. Jesus paid it. So when we said, Jesus, I want, I want to be in your kingdom. You shall be Lord over my life. He's like, okay. And that deposit that was made in his blood then is put into your account to pay for you. It's a ransom. So when we're thinking about holiness, we really need to always have in our mind, I'm not my own. I don't get to decide what this body, this vessel gets to do. This is a vessel that was set apart for God, sanctified unto holiness. The scripture says to possess our vessel in honor such that how we use ourselves should only be in a way that brings honor to the one that died for us, to the one that created us in his very image. So not only is there the implication of holiness, but the implication of honor in God with our bodies as well. All of that then, or (laughs) therefore, glorify God in your body. Now this is familiar, this scripture comes up here a lot, but think of it now in this context of glorifying God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul speaking on behalf of God, it's just talked in uh, the end of chapter 11 about, you know, Jesus, all things are for him and through him and to him, something along those lines. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies yourself, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So there, your complete person is addressed. Offer your bodies living and holy sacrifices, right? Israel, the Israelites in the Old Testament, they used to get sideways with God all the time because, you know, here I'm a sheep guy. I got a bunch of sheep and I got this obligation to sacrifice a sheep to God. Oh, I kind of like to keep my good sheep. So I got this one lame sheep. He's always dragging one leg around. He's blind in one eye. He's just the sorriest sheep I got. And I take that sheep and I offer that to God. And say, thanks for, thank you, God, that you've provided everything that I need. You've provided all these sheep for me. And, and you offer God your junk, right? We are his. So when we walk outside of holiness, when we don't, when we don't treat somebody with the honor that um, an image bearer of God should receive, we're offering God our junk. But our whole life is to be a sacrifice, living and holy, on the altar of God, our very selves, which is our spiritual service of worship. And then he says about the the thinking part, he says, don't be conformed to the way the world thinks. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And your mind gets renewed when you abide in Jesus. If you think your mind will be renewed by never ever dining on his flesh and dining on his blood and wanting to know Jesus, what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's false, what's good and what's bad, See, as you read this, it teaches you and it trains you, and your mind becomes different. You'll start to think differently. So now your body to be offered and your mind to be transformed. And the purpose of offering the body is it's your spiritual service of worship unto God. The reason you offer your mind is so that you may prove what the will of God is. So is there anybody sick in heaven? There's not. Now, could it be God's will for somebody to be sick? It actually could. And, and we may pray for somebody and not realize that, but generally, on earth as it is in heaven would imply no sickness, right? Well, my mind needs to be changed. Instead of thinking that, well, every sickness is because of a virus or a bacteria or this or that, and understand that may not be the case. Are there any bad knees in heaven? There are not. Is there depression in heaven? No, nobody's depressed in heaven. It doesn't matter what the worldly situation was, doesn't matter. Like, I don't know if my mom and dad are going to be there. When I get to heaven, I'm like, man. And then the scripture taught me that God has somehow made it that if my mom and dad are burning in hell, that I'm not going to be miserable and sad. He's going to make it so that I can have that joy. So if there's none of that sadness and depression up there, there shouldn't be any sadness and depression here. How do we know? Because his word teaches us. And we think differently. So if somebody's struggling with, oh, you know, I don't know about this or that. I'm, how, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. It's like, no, no, no. I can tell you what God says. He says all you do is you point your nose towards him. You walk according to his righteousness. You be about bringing his kingdom. Your bills are going to get paid. Oh, come on, seriously, that's, that doesn't make sense. I need to this and I need to that. And I, no, no, because if you do that, you're going to serve this guy called wealth versus this guy called God. So you had to trust him, and then you'll be okay. You trust him, you'll be okay. Transformed by the renewing of our minds. John 4.23. You familiar with the story of the woman at the well? That's where this one comes from. Jesus says, the, the woman at the well was a Samaritan. And she said, well, you know, the Jews say that we worship over here, and, and the Samaritans say we worship over there. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. 
An hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. You ever wonder how to worship God in spirit? Offer yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's like, what do I do? That's what you do. Should I be singing a song while I do that? Isn't that worship? It's like, sing a song. God loves it when you sing a song. But the song without the sacrifice, just noise. The song from the sacrifice, glory. Awesome. So if you wonder what spiritual worship is, it's offering yourselves a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable unto God. That's it. And it's pleasing to God. He seeks for such worshipers. What does that look like? Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, says Jesus. Don't be conformed to this world, proving God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Your sanctification, this is God's will for you, your sanctification. Had we not fallen, Adam, our father, fell, we are now in his, well, we're not because we're in Christ if we're born again. But all the world is still in their father, Adam. They, they don't glorify God. They can't glorify God. Their daddy is Satan, not God. Our calling is high. Our purpose is big. It's glorious. You ever think like, man, you know, what's the purpose of my life? Glorify God. Glorify God. Well, what's the difference if I glorify God? There's a big difference. You know, we talk about, we're Pentecostal people. I'm looking at Lisa. It's so nice to see you. I mean, how many times have we asked, called the glory down, right? And, and when we call the glory down, we're calling those attributes about God that are so powerful and so amazing and so touchable. He lets us know. Jeff, Jeff is very spiritually sensitive. I'm trying to think there's some, well, I'm sure many of you are. Uh, Kim Green is spiritually sensitive. And, and he can feel when God's glory starts to enter the room. And, and, and he wants to shepherd that glory. He doesn't want it ever to leave. He said, it's like, hey, it's Wednesday. Nikki's like, is Jeff still at the church? Yeah, I think the glory must still be there. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I pray, there's one word. When I sing songs that have that one word, it seems like I can feel God's presence almost guaranteed every time. When I'm speaking that to him, do you know what that word is? Holy. That's it. Holy, holy. What are these seraphim? In, I mean, they're there for a million years or who knows how long for all of, you know, well, till they were, you know, since they've been created. And they're experiencing the full-on glory of God. See, we can't. In, in our corrupted bodies, to experience the glory of God in its fullness would kill us. But they're not corrupted. So they can be in the throne room, experience the glory of God, and all they can do is cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. When we cry out holy, when we recognize how holy and perfect God is, how His love is so, so spotless and perfect, 
how every attribute of his person is so perfect. And we, and we scream out, we can see it's so different than the corruption that in this world we cry out, holy, holy, holy God. Man, I'm telling you what, he seems to really like that. He seems to really like that. Last week, we talked about glorifying God by what we do. This week, we kind of talked about glorifying God by what we don't do, right? We're set apart. When, when, when the systems of the world say, man, this is the funnest thing in the world, and, and, and they can experience some sort of glory, but, but it has to be in spirits, but not the spirit of God, and they, and they do these things, they're, they're looking, always looking, always looking, always looking to experience God. We can glorify, magnify, we can represent God. That's our commission. It's a great commission. It's not a mission. If it was a mission, it would be just us. It's a commission. It's us and God to glorify God. So last week, we glorify God in, in the godly deeds and fruit that's produced from our lives. This week, we glorify God in that we deny those worldly things from our lives so that he might receive glory. And when people see us, they say, well, how come you don't do that? Well, because I belong to God, and that's not at all pleasing to God. And I want to please him. Something's going on. You may not get to see it, but something's going on. Because when we radiate God's glory, somebody else is experiencing something that's making them understand what real glory is. Last, last scripture, just, just to reinforce holiness. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 16 through the first verse of chapter 7. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, now Paul starts here to quote God. It's an Old Testament scripture that he's quoting. So we know that it's applicable in our New Testament walk. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. See, God is wanting to be glorified by his people. I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst, they, there is the world, and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, the promises being, Um, that I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will be a father to them and they shall be sons and daughters to me. Therefore, having those promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And as we do that, we glorify God. Do you want to feel the glory? Do you want to experience the glory? God says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Ask him, where am I double-minded, Lord? Where is my thinking different than your truth? And then what he tells you, no matter how unnatural, what his word tells you, no matter how unnaturally true it can't be, it is true. Put it down, be single-minded. If there's issues of sin in your life, cleanse your hands. He makes a provision for that. Confess them. He'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You're ready to offer yourselves living and holy sacrifices? To be, be clean and sincere, worship him, praise him in truth, 
and then minister in the Holy Spirit, bring about the power of God over us because there's stuff inside of me that needs to go? I don't even know what all of it is. I'd like to think I don't know what any of it is. Otherwise, it'd already be gone. But God knows, and he might use you to lay your hands on me and help me with something. Or me for you, or you for each other. So let's remember why we're here together today and not forget that we're here to minister to one another. And don't let the spirit of fear get on you. Well, you know, I I don't really know how to pray that good. Bull stuff. You don't need to know how to pray that good. You don't. You just need to pray. You need to have compassion in your heart. You need to have love for whoever's sitting next to you. And it's just going to come from the Lord. And it may not sound like, you know, Oh, thus saith the Lord, I, whatever King James words to you, don't worry about it. Let your heart move against whatever that thing is. Or maybe it's not even against something. Maybe it's for something. Oh, God, I just pray for that intimacy that a person could have would be so much greater for my brother and my sister and you. I pray, Lord, that they would know you in such a deep and intimate way, that they could see your glory, they could experience your holiness, that they could have such a passionate desire to be like you and reflect your glory. I mean, just whatever. And what's going to happen is the city on the hill is going to get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and all people are going to get drawn to God because what they're going to see is truth, not a fancy talking, you know, good whatever, not a show, not a, nothing like that. We don't need any of that. It's all false. All we need is, is Jesus and love, which is Jesus. Amen? All right, I, I'm, I'm ready, Margie. Father God, thanks very much. Thanks for your word. Thanks that it's true. Thanks that there's, there's no untruth in you and that we know that the enemy has no truth in him. So anytime we hear a voice, all we have to do is measure it against truth and we'll know whether it's you or whether it's him. I pray each and every one of us, Father, to have a passionate desire to know the truth, to understand the situation that we're in. We know ultimately that the, that the war is won, but the battles rage on because the enemy would love to have company in eternity And you would love that not one person would deny repentance, salvation, grace. So, Lord, as we go battle to battle, seeking your glory, seeking to glorify you, seeking to represent you well, Lord, we just thank you that you've equipped us to do those things. You've given us your word to know the truth. You've given your spirit so that we can be like you and your power can...